Jimmy Murphy, Pierre Maguire here for another episode of the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre Maguire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, Raymond Marsh! The Sickest NHL Podcast. It's going to be sick. Hey, Jimmy Murphy, Pierre McGuire, back here on the eye test. And before we get to announcing our feature guest today, which we're really excited about, I want to send Pierre, I know somebody that you know well, too, uh, just send some love and good vibes out to the Granado family and, and, and Tony Granado. Terrible news coming down yesterday that uh, he has been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah, no, we're all thinking of Tony, a tremendous person, tremendous hockey man, uh, awesome teammate, great coach. We spent a lot of time with him over the years, whether it was at Wisconsin, which was his last stop, or Colorado, or uh, even uh, obviously in Detroit when he worked uh, with some really good teams with the Red Wings. And um, I remember when he was a player, he was just a demon on the ice, and I'm sure he will be a demon in how he approaches uh, this battle that he's about to face. For sure, for sure. So we'll, we're thinking of you, Tony, and uh, let's get to this show, Pierre. And, man, I am excited. Our feature guest today will be the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, Kent Hughes, joining us shortly. Uh, so we'll get to him in about 10 minutes. But before we do, Pierre, let's uh, let's bounce around the league here. And I think one team that you want to start with that's not getting enough love right now and really, I think this, we're, we've reached a point now we got to accept they're for real, and that's the Philadelphia Flyers, Pierre. Jimmy, if the playoffs started today, the Philadelphia Flyers would be the second seed in the Metropolitan Division. They've done an amazing job, so hats off to Keith Jones, hats off to Danny Briere, their new general manager, and hats off to John Tortorella and his staff and the job that they've done. Jimmy, they've done a fantastic job. Most mm -hmm. people thought they'd be at the bottom of the Metro Division. Most people thought they'd be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, and most people thought they'd be at the bottom of the National Hockey League with San Jose and, and Columbus. Um, that hasn't happened. And John deserves, Tortorella deserves a huge amount of credit for the way he's coached this team. And all that you have to do is look at the results. And it's, it's mostly on the plus side defensively. And I think about what they did in the offseason. You had character in Garnet Hathaway. You had character in Ryan Paling. You had character in somebody that played for John in New York and Mark Stahl. And you had those three players. And that's the eye test part of this, Jimmy. Uh, it's made everybody around them better. And let's also remember they got Sean Couturier back after he had a really tough year last year. He was off to a great start. And I can't say enough. And I know you think the same thing as I do of Travis Konechny. And everybody's talking about this player is an MVP or that player is an MVP. Travis Konechny deserves to be in that conversation as well. I'd agree, Pierre. I, I think he definitely deserves to be in there right now. And, you know, you, you mentioned Tortorella and the, the job he's doing. Pierre, he – you got to look at the whole body of work and, and, and just his journey to this point. And this, the way this team is playing right now, like you mentioned, they were in a rebuilding phase, a young team. Nobody was really giving them a chance. And, and Hey, they may not do anything with this. Maybe they'll make the playoffs one and out. And that doesn't really matter. But you, what you got to look at is the fact that he has these kids believing in themselves and how he's adapted to this new generation of players. And, I, I got to be honest, and, and this is no knock on him. I just I didn't see this coming uh, in terms of his adaptation to how the game is played with these young guys now. Most people around the league would agree with you, Jimmy. I don't think you're saying anything untoward at all. 
Uh, the truth of the matter is John's done a magnificent job. At the tail end in Columbus, he was doing a real good job too. People don't give him enough credit for the job he did in Columbus. And I think John had a huge awakening after things went really off the rails in Vancouver. And he deserves a lot of credit for getting the Tortorella brand back on the rails. And, and hats off to him. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, and you can see he's communicating well with the players. Uh, he holds them accountable. I love his line the other day about Travis connecting. I give him a lot of license offensively, but there's still things he's doing defensively that I don't like very much, and we got to make him better. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but basically that's what he was saying. So I really respect the way he's handling his team. Um, and the truth is, again, getting Couturier back helps a lot in upper management, making some really good decisions in terms of bringing in character. And I think that character has made a lot of the younger players there better. Well, for sure. And Terry, this kind of leads to the bigger picture. And we're going to approach this uh, with Kent Hughes when we have him on. Just, you know, how you approach a rebuild and, and, and sort of the fine line you walk between winning and developing and, and where you are in terms of that. And look, I cover a team right now that for the last, you know, 12 to 15 years has been a Stanley Cup contender. And their focus has always been to win the Stanley Cup. And there's been a lot of knocks on whether it was Claude Julian with the way he handled Tyler Sagan in his first year or Bruce Cassidy with a Ryan Spooner or Ryan Donato. He got a, a ton of hate for the way he handled them. But by the way, how's that Charlie Coyle for Ryan Donato trade looking right now? Uh, anyhow, but um, and now Jim Montgomery finds himself under fire for the way he's handling Matthew Poitier. But I think what fans don't understand is it it all depends on your team's situation. You can't just... If you have a young player like a Matthew Poitra or even, you know, you mentioned Travis Konechny, it all is dictated by where your team is and what where, what are they doing? What's their plan for this particular season and going forward? And I think it's kind of unfair right now for people to be knocking Jim Montgomery for reducing or even, you know, apparently he's going to start to follow the Leo Carlson approach that Anaheim's taking or they maybe play him. You know, they're going to give him a game off every three games or something, but he's getting killed for the minutes he's giving Poitra or lack of. And I, I just don't think that's fair given the situation he's in. And look, he had this to say about it the other day after the game against the Arizona Coyotes in which he had to bench Poitra in the third period despite them being down a center. So let's go to that clip right now. You know, it's it's uh, valuing game management is something that we've talked to him about and, you know, it's still – lacking in his game right now and <clears throat> we we are paid to win hockey games and i'm going to go with the guys that i think are going to win us hockey game now what's wrong with that pierre nothing so again we like to be transparent on this show just so everybody knows i was sitting up at my home in northern quebec watching that afternoon game between arizona and boston yep. and i texted jimmy and i said this was in the first period right jimmy yep. and i said the bruins have a problem with matthew Poitra. And the problem is not that he's not a good player. Fatigue is setting in. These guys are pushing the pace. I'm talking about Arizona and all the other teams are, and he can't keep up. And it would behoove the Bruins, and I wrote this to Jimmy in the first period, to think about the potential of sending him to Team Canada for the World Junior. I don't think that will happen, but I think that would be one of the ways they could handle this quote-unquote load management situation that it looks like they're going to follow exactly what Anaheim's doing with Leo Carlson, but let's just, before we get to Boston, let's just finish up on the Philadelphia. The one thing that people need to understand about the Philadelphia market, 
The Flyers were in a very tough situation. That's a tough neighborhood. The Eagles yeah. are doing unbelievably well. The Philadelphia Phillies are playing well. The 76ers have been playing well. Uh, you look at Villanova basketball, they're very well. So where does that leave Philadelphia, uh, the Flyers that is, in the marketplace? And ticket sales were starting to dwindle. And that's why I think they made this massive overhaul in the summer. They brought in Keith Jones, very popular in the community. They bring in Daniel Breer, very popular player with the Philadelphia Flyers. They bring in some alumni like John LeClaire, uh, again, very popular in the neighborhood. And all of a sudden, they bring in some character guys like Garnet Hathaway, who plays like a flyer. Ryan Paling, who's a very good depth player. Uh, Mark Stahl, who played for Tortorella, not going to be overwhelmed in any situation. And all of a sudden, the fans are starting to love this team. So yeah. that's part of their rebuild, Jimmy. Now right. let's go to Boston real quick. Their organizational expectation is pretty simple. Yeah, we lost David Krejci, and yeah, we lost Patrice Bergeron. But we're still loaded up and ready to go. We want to win the Stanley Cup. And we're really disappointed in what happened last year when we got beat by the Florida Panthers in the first round of the playoffs. That's not happening ever again. So that's the mandate from Cam Neely, obviously down to Donnie Sweeney, down to Jim Montgomery. So what's Jim Montgomery supposed to do? Yeah, exactly. Games. Exactly. And this isn't a developmental league when you're in a position like that, uh, that the Bruins are in. So, yes. look, I, I – I just don't like I, – I don't understand it, Pierre, and I saw it so much. I, I think it started back, like I referenced Sagan there. And ever since then, it's just there's a there's a portion of the fan base here in Boston and, and some of the media as well that seems to favor development over highly touted prospects, right, over winning at times. And, and, and I don't get it, but then – Let's say he plays him in the third period, okay? Now they're down a center in Zaka, so obviously he's going to see more minutes. He's going to see more physical presence from the opposing team. He's going to he's going to get beat up a bit. And it's like, okay, so now you lose that game in Arizona. You've lost two straight. I bet those same people that are knocking him right now would be knocking him if they lost the game. So it's the Scotty Bowman line, and it's probably not very fair to a lot of media people, but I'm going to group everybody together, including you and I. The media can't help you when you're losing. No. Okay? They just can't. And you don't need them when you're winning. <laughs> so that's the Scotty Bowman line. And, you know, I worked with him and we won cups together. And it was really amazing. What an education. But that's part of the stuff you have to go through. And when you work in a big hockey market, whether it's Boston, whether it's Philadelphia, or whether it's Montreal, Jimmy, right. where we're going to go next, it's not easy. And if you start to count out to the media, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in big trouble. Right. Now we look at Montreal, good segue there, and we'll bring on Kent Hughes in a bit here, but that that's a totally different situation. Each situation, this is what people need to remember is each situation is unique. So you can't say, well, why are they developing their young players like that? Why are they putting Slavkovsky in, in pressure situations and the Bruins can't put poetry? Because it's just, it's a different, unique oh, situation. Before we get to Kent, let me just, Quinton Byfield right now is one of the early oh. season big stories, right, in L.A.? So he's playing in L.A. Now he's surrounded by Drew Doughty and Ante Kopitar, and, and they've got a good team. They've got a tremendously viable, work, hard-working team. Do you think that same development model would have worked for Quinton Byfield, let's say in Toronto, or let's say in Montreal, or let's say in Boston? Not a chance. No, no chance. Yeah. So it, that's just the way it goes. But, I, you know, look, I'm looking forward to talking to Kent here, too. And one of the things – that I know you and I keep a close tab on is the development of Slavkovsky, Pierre. And, you know, we both saw that game the other night. I went back and watched it after, I, you know, was bouncing around on some other games. And 
man, I was so impressed, so impressed with just within that. I'm impressed with his maturity as this season's gone on, but I was so impressed as that game went on to see his maturity level increase and just the way he handles certain situations, whether it was a fight, whether it was digging in the corners, whether it was going north south again, the way he's been doing so well lately, or driving to the net. He is really, you can see him wanting to take on more responsibility. And I think that's a great sign from Montreal Canadiens. The snarl factor was tremendous. And I know he's not fighting a guy in his weight class size wise when he gets involved with Connor Clifton. That being said, you know Connor Clifton well. That's a strong physical kid. He's not a shy, shrinking violent. And so great onset of Koski for doing that. But what really impressed me the most, Jimmy, of all the things that he did, it was the reaction after the shootout winning goal. Yeah. That is something that the Canadians can build off. If it's a video coach's dream, uh-huh. so dark for the young man, there's a flashback moment. This is how good you can be. This is why you were this good. And, and I'm so encouraged for their fan base. They haven't had a power forward like this in a very, very, very long time. You may even have to go back to John McClare. I yep. mean, really go back to the 93 Stanley Cup final. They really just haven't. Um, and I think this is really exciting for their fans. And I really salute it. It's not because Ken's coming on. It's not because uh, I'm friends with Jeff Gordon uh, that I like Marty St. Louis a lot. I said it at the draft. I was covering the draft that year on TV, and I'll say it again. That was the appropriate pick for the Montreal Canadiens. It was an organizational need, size-wise, strength-wise, power-forward-wise, and I think it's going to work out flowingly for them. I really do. Well, let's uh, let's get that man on right now that was part of that pick, and that's the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Kent Hughes joined us here on the iTest on a Sick Podcast Network. Kent, how are you? I'm good, guys. How are we doing? Great. Good to have you on. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you just heard us talking there about Slavkovsky. And, and, and Kent, you you got to be feeling pretty good right now. And obviously, you don't get ahead of yourself, but you got to be feeling a tempered uh, enthusiasm, so to speak, uh, for the way things have been going lately for, for Slavkovsky. Yeah, you know what, Jimmy, I, I think we from the start of the year we've seen an improvement in him from from the prior season um we know it's not a straight line right you know he'll have uh, a stretch of games and in fact i remember uh, sitting in jeff molson's office saying really like where slaps games going and i think the following night was probably his worst game of the year so. <laughs> that nothing, like, nothing like gaining your uh, your boss's confidence or your ability <laughs> so um but listen he, he's he's a determined kid he he's wise beyond his years i i don't know if you guys saw but he, I, I saw it online somewhere where he was being asked and he about his progression he just said listen some people are that good they come they're great right away and, and others it takes longer and some never get there and I have idea what i want to accomplish and and i'm going to look back at it when i'm 50 and, and that's when i want to be proud of what i so got that long-term view and i think that's going to help him in this market uh he is what he is today. I don't think he's going to be – we're not going to really know what he, Slav can be for another few years, in my opinion. Yeah. Pierre? I couldn't agree more with you, Ken. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. It really means a lot to us and to our viewers as well. Ken, I spent a lot of time watching Slavkovsky play. I saw Marty Lapointe over in Turku a lot too, and I'm sure he made the pilgrimage over a few times as mm-hmm. well. The thing to me, and, and again, 
when he's moving his feet and he's physical, he's a tough guy to handle. And I think we're seeing more and more of that. I don't know what your internal reports are saying, but are your coaches seeing the same thing? Yeah, I, I think they're, there's no question they're seeing the, uh, the progression in his game, his strength along the wall, his ability to protect pucks last year. He'd get bumped. He'd get more knocked off balance. Uh, he'd lose the puck. He's learning to take a stick off the puck while he absorbs physical contact, repossess the puck afterwards. So like a lot of the little tricks of the trade of, of playing here in North America, especially at the NHL level. Um, there's more to come. Like you, you can tell he doesn't fully have his confidence around the net, especially when he's playing with you know Suzuki and Caulfield. He's looking to move the puck all the time. I, I think that's all part of him figuring things out step by step and, and we're trying to be very mindful of not popping 20 things on his to-do list here in terms of needs for improvement because we all know hockey's such a reactive instinctive game and we don't want to take that away from him uh, and I think at parts last year we probably did and, and I think that was bound to happen one way or the other but as we progress forward here it's you know let's tackle two things and then move on to the next and that's why I say like I think it's still another three or four years but before we really see what Slav can be. I agree. You grew up in the marketplace much like I did. You know how tough it is uh, with the media there in particular and the fan base. How do you make sure you control your emotions and you don't overreact to things that are being said or things that are being written about the team? I don't, to be perfectly honest, I don't read a ton. Um, Good move. Yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, – <laughs> early on you you wouldn't admit like everybody's all excited it's new and then you see it turn and you're like all right like i'm not going to waste my time getting frustrated by this that or whatever not but i actually think the media has been great you know social media is a different matter altogether um and i don't worry about it from a coach or a management perspective i do worry about it for young players not only because they're younger and and i think back um I, i'd said this when i first took the job Stu Cowan from the Gazette had asked me when I figured out I wasn't going to play in the NHL. And my answer was last after everybody. And I said, I look back on my life and realize uh, I always thought I was better than I was. And, but that's a better way to go through life than the alternative. And in this world today where you're kind of open for criticism while you're growing through and, and mm -hmm. building your self identity, I, I, I can't imagine that I would have grown up as self-confident as I did. And so I worry about it for our players. And, you know, my kids tell me all the time when I say, oh, you just got to stay off social media. They're like, you can do that, but don't expect, you know, the next generation to do it. Hey, Jimmy, just so everybody knows about Kent's children, his son Jack was a second-round pick of the L.A. Kings and his son Riley was a pick of the New York Rangers. You know, Riley's still playing at Ohio State and, and Jack's playing at BU. And speaking of that, Kent, BU, lots of Montreal Canadiens prospects there. One of them in particular, who I'm very fond of, I know both of my coach, one of them, Luke Tuck, but the other one, Lane Hudson. How soon can we expect to see Lane following the BU season in a Canadian uniform? Well, I, I think that's something we'll, we'll tackle as soon as the season's over. But, you know, I think from our perspective, Pierre, we'd like to see him uh, at, when the season's over, signed to uh, a contract and, and start his pro career. Uh, you know, I, I think from... Our wish and lanes and BU's and uh, all involved would be to let him focus on what's left of the college season, and then we'll we'll tackle it as soon as it's over. What have you seen the biggest progression for him? We we're talking about Slavkowski's progression from last year to this year. What have you seen with Lane Hudson from last year to this year? I think 
you know, our, our biggest hope, to be perfectly honest, was more on the uh, leadership level, mm -hmm. okay? maturity level, and just being a 19-year-old learning to, to, it's one thing to come in and surprise the world. Uh, it's another to come in where you're expected to do it and everybody's focusing on you and how do you handle that uh, that additional attention? How do you handle the pressure of being able to deliver up to expectations? So there's certain things that he's living at BU, albeit at the college level, that as you guys indicated earlier in this market, you're going to live in. Like my wife goes to games at BU and they're, she'll hear French Canadians. And one of her friends was also from Montreal, went over to them and said, where are you guys from? What are you doing here? And oh, we're here to see Lane Hudson. So, you know, uh, you have that kind of following and scrutiny and, and he's going to live that when he comes here. How excited are you to watch him at the World Junior? Best on best, peer on peer. How excited are you watching this year after last year's experience? Very. Very. I mean, listen, we, I expect he'll be a, a dominant player in the tournament, and um, they should have a pretty good team too, the U.S., so I look forward to seeing it, especially in the big games. So another player that is not at BU, he's at Boston College, is Coach Greg Brown was on the air with us not that long ago, Jacob Fowler. Were you ever in your wildest dreams when you took him with a 69 pick, Kent, thinking that all of a sudden this guy was going to blow the doors off of college hockey as a freshman? Well, I, I hadn't seen him enough, and I'll be the first to admit that I'm far from a goalie expert. So I have <laughs> those that we deem goalie experts in our organization, but they they liked him and, and uh, talked a lot, not just about you know his capabilities as a goalie, but his mental wherewithal on that part. I got to see some of in, in – in terms of his interview at the combines and and before the draft, this is this kid's competitive. He's confident, and you know he's been turned down before and and risen up to prove people wrong. So you know his resiliency and strength of character was a big part of it. Jimmy, isn't that amazing what Kent just said? It's the same thing that Coach Brown told us when we interviewed him. So yeah. go ahead, Jimmy, keep pursuing. Yeah. So Ken, I want to get a little to you and just on your journey. Uh, to becoming the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens is that everyone knows you were a player agent before that. But I'm wondering, was there a point, you know, maybe not right before it happened, but a point during your journey there where you said, well, maybe, maybe I could see myself uh, switching over to the management side or hockey operations side? Yeah, I, I think, Jimmy, that probably at different points in my life, whether it was going to be, hockey operations, management, coaching. Um, I think the competitive nature in me want, <clears throat> listen, we all, you know, you grow up, you love hockey. It's part of your, your passion growing up and you, and you think about, and I talk to a lot of young, young, uh, whether they're, they're hockey players, ex hockey players that are looking for their next stage in, uh, in their career. And I always said to them, you know, I didn't really give enough thought to it. I loved hockey. I wanted to stay involved in hockey. I decided to pursue it through the agent route and, and I loved it and I loved everything about it. But the one thing that I lacked and it was game seven, 2011 Tampa against the Bruins, which I think was probably the best one, nothing game I've ever been. Yeah. yeah. I was and, there. And I, I, brought, I broadcast the game. Yeah. <laughs> there was so much emotion in the, in the arena and everything else. And I, I was in the suite with a lot of friends and they were going crazy. And I was kind of sitting on my hands because we had clients on both sides. So mm -hmm. we, we were going to have one group that was very happy and another group that was very, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, my wife turned to me and she's like, do you get to enjoy it? And I'm like, yeah. 
but it's not quite the same. And, and yeah. I think this, <clears throat> so I had said it to my wife and she said, you know, you know I said, like, that's the one thing I, I, I didn't really put the piece. What I loved so much about hockey was competing. Yes. More about competing and having a stake in the outcome. And she said, well, that's why you coach your kids. You can say you did it for them, but I believe <laughs> No, no. I guess to be able to make that shift on a professional level, uh, it's been, you know, so far very rewarding. Uh, clearly, I look forward to a time when we're uh, <clears throat> competing every night and, mm-hmm. and winning more often than we're losing, given the competitive nature I was alluding to. But it, it's fun working towards building something. And, and you know, just to stay with uh, the Boston there, uh, you obviously had uh, one of the best competitors to ever play the game and Patrice Bergeron there. What was that like, uh, just, you know, watching him grow and watching him mature, just, you know, for my Boston viewers here? Well, I mean, the thing that always amazed me about Patrice is he was so wise beyond his years, so intelligent. Like, I met with some of our players at the end of last year, um, like our young core guys like Cole Caulfield and, and um, Kirby Doc, and I told them, I, I said, I represented a lot of hockey players, so I've kind of lived vicariously through their journey. And my experience with a great majority of them were, was that a young hockey player arrives in the National Hockey League. Their, their mission is to prove first to themselves and then to everybody else in the hockey world that they're capable of doing X, Y, Z in the, in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League. Once they've done that, once they've solidified their stature in the game there's that shift to what are we going to accomplish mm-hmm. patrice right. for you know for I, I don't know how to put my finger on it uh, i'm sure it has a lot to do with his parents and his upbringing but he, he came into the national hockey league by 19 years of age he was already thinking about what we are going to accomplish it's it just it, it was really I said it when I uh, when I was interviewed from the for the job that he was probably one of the most influential people in hockey on me. Not wow. the other. Wow, that's high praise. And I know Pierre Pierre said I think it was last week we were talking about him a little, and uh, he compared him to John Rattel and just the you know the the way he holds himself both on and off the ice with such dignity and class. Uh, and I'd have to agree. Yeah, and I think you're you're like we talk about it all the time. The the culture that they've created in Boston just gets passed on. I remember uh, watching the uh, salute that a lot of the players did or that the organization did. And there were a lot of guys that appeared on video, the McAvoy's of the world and all saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to uh, take it upon us to, to continue what you built here, uh, him along with Shara and, and Brad. And that's, as an organization, if you can have the impact of those players, it goes well beyond their time with the organization. Yeah, so well said. That's really well said. I, you know, I think about the Boston Bruins and what Ken was just alluding to, Jimmy Chara, Mark Recchi, uh, David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Brad Marchand. So you've had all these guys together. Don't forget Sean Thornton as well. Um, you know, Gregory Campbell, I go back as far as Gregory. We talk about the 2011 Stanley Cup and everything else. But the character issue is huge. And I think as a general manager, Kent, you can allude to that and speak to it. Everybody gets so enraptured with the numbers, they forget sometimes about the character. And I think especially in a marketplace like yours, character matters a lot, I would imagine. Character character is huge, and I think it's 
incredibly important in all 32 markets. I think in our market and with the history of the Montreal Canadiens, there's so much of all the uh, superstars that played here and, and all the offense that was generated. But it's interesting. We've tried to uh, to connect with a lot of the uh, the alumni over the last couple of years. And we have these different uh, gatherings over a beer or whatnot. And it's really interesting to hear those guys, despite all the superstars, just talk about how much more focused they were as a group on their mission than what they believed the other teams in the league were. And that more than anything else, that was their reason for success. I'd take that over star power guys. I don't know about you. I mean, I, I, it's the culture to me that's more important and the stars will shine through that culture is kind of the way I look at it as well. I don't know if you agree. Well, I think it also allows players with, with talent and, and maybe in need of a little bit of direction to kind of come into an organization and achieve their potential that they might not otherwise get to. And, and listen, at the end of the day, by nature, this is a sport where, selfishly speaking, the more success you have individually, the more money you earn over a, le- a very limited period of time in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for, for the certain few, that's they make more than they need, but the rest of them, it's important. So when you put your self-interest second to the interests of the team, that's not an easy thing to do unless you feel like you're part of something and that there's something bigger than yourself that you're, you're uh, working collectively towards. Jimmy, I was just going to ask Kent about the development process with your American Hockey League team now. Is it more about getting young players ready to be in the NHL or are you concerned about the one loss record right now? To be fair, they're in last place in their division. What do you focus in on as a general manager right now with your young players in the American Hockey League? Development's going to rule the day uh, all the time for us, Pierre, but but we're also cognizant of the fact that we can't, you know, you know, I was, <clears throat> there were a lot of people in Montreal, there, there, there's both sides, right? There, there's the group that thinks we need to win more. I'm talking about Montreal, not Laval. And then there's a group that thinks we, we win too much and we should finish at the, you know, pick first every year until, <laughs> yeah. Um, but truthfully, I think there's there's a balance in there. And in, in Laval, yeah, we want each player to improve, develop, and become most NHL-ready with their individual game. But we're also mindful of, again, when we speak of culture and whatever not, that we have to prepare them for what they're going to come into and not just have everybody just worried about their own game and not the group and then step in here and expect that that they're going to be able to uh, change, you know, turn the page on a dime. Any prospect down in Laval right now really exciting you? Well, there's at different points, a lot have. I mean, it was been a very good start of the year, and then you know a little bit of a, a rough patch. Farrell started a little slower and started to pick up. Uh, Logan Mayu is, is coming along. Uh, Heineman's been another one. So and Riley Kidney, uh, yeah. you know, a little bit of a tear here offensively. So. It's, it's the same at the National Hockey League level. Our young guys, we, we, we see periods of players playing really well, and then they fall off a little bit. And I always am reminded of uh, when Tampa was starting to come and Richards and LeCavalier were starting to really play well, and Dave Anderchuk was the, kind of the father for the whole group. I remember Dave saying, hey, Vinny and Brad were always good. They just weren't consistently good. And in my, my, you know, almost 20 years in the NHL, I've come to realize that that's the last thing that comes for a young, talented player, and that's consistency. 
Yeah, these, you got a coach that's pretty good at that when he was playing in St. Tampa Bay too, Marty St. Louis with consistency. He was pretty good at that. <laughs> yes, he was. Um, so we're talking about all these players. Uh, the update for the fans, because I've been following it. He's obviously played 13 games in Cloton right now, but David Reinbacher. Yeah, I think David, uh, you know, he got injured early in the year. Mm -hmm. uh, came back, had a, a little bit of a slow stretch coming back, and I, and I think it's it's natural. Um when you're a high pick, you're trying to figure out like what you are. You you all of a sudden put added expectations on yourself and try to do more. And and often like it, it's one of the things I've learned from an agent perspective that I, I find helpful in, in in the role I'm playing now is making sure players play to their identity and. Mm. They don't have to change who they are. They have to just be better at what they are. That That is development. You know, you can, you know, like we bring, we can bring a young D in and say, hey, listen, you want to grow your game. You want to add offense. That's fine. But you got here because of your defensive prowess. So want to add to it, great. But if it's at the expense of what got you here, it's going to get you out of here. Yeah. That's a great point. Jimmy, Jimmy, I just love what the GM just said there so much. Yeah. So one of his guys is Jaden Struble. I know you're in love with him because he's a St. Sebastian's guy, Jimmy. <laughs> that, being, that being said, he's playing to his identity, isn't he, Kent? Absolutely. He, he uh, he's, he's come in. It's, it's kind of interesting because when we called him up for the trip, I called him and, and said, Jaden, we're calling you up. You deserve it. You came to Montreal. You trained all summer. Uh, you put the effort in. You've been our most consistent defenseman in the American Hockey League. I don't think you're going to play, but I want you to come up and I want you to experience what it's like. I want you to see how they prepare for games and do all of that. And they they landed in California and and called and said Harris needs imaging and uh, Struble's playing and and he took it and he ran with it and he's he's kind of focused on little details like we talk about with Slap. You know, we talked to him a lot about you know not kind of going heel to heel into the corner and then being forced to pass middle with his puck or, or up somebody's uh, mm -hmm. backside and, you know, move his feet to get over, go North and don't go North up the wall. If you have that ability. And then the rest of his game is just, you know, coming to him. It's, it's like the game slowed down for him, uh, which is great. But I also, I warned him, I said, you know, there's a, there, there's going to be a downfall coming mm -hmm. and inevitably, how do you manage it? How do you handle these things? It, it's, with the young athletes, I really believe so much of that adjustment to the National Hockey League is the mental piece, right? It's, it's, it, it is a mental grind for 186 days and then the playoffs if you're in them. Yeah, for sure. You know why I think Kent's making so much sense? Because he's got two boys that have both been drafted in the National Hockey League. They both had a lot of experience and success at different levels, and then they moved. They changed schools. One went to Ohio State, obviously took his fifth year, and the other guy's at BU right now. But he can speak to it because he's going through it. So he knows all these young guys. Ken, I, I, I have so much respect for how you're voicing this right now. And I think this is so enlightening for people to hear this. Because I don't know if every team in the league is being run like this, Jimmy, just to be fair. Yeah. Listen, uh, Pierre, I, I think part of it is is the background, right, of managing players. And I, I can remember being interviewed by a parent of an NHL player many years ago. And he asked me, what makes you most qualified to be who you are. And then he rephrased it by saying, if you could go back and prepare yourself for your job, what would you do differently? And I think I finished talking like an hour and a half later. And <laughs> I, may have, I may have had to wake him up, but um, 
there there was a lot to it, right? And my answer is like, well, I mean, I went to law school and studied everything that had to do with the 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 you know the business of sports, from antitrust to labor law to tax law to estate planning and all this stuff. And I think I spent the first five years of my career in player development, right? Trying to get these young guys to the National Hockey League, and then we went through. Uh, phase where I wish I was a sports psychologist and then <laughs> phase where uh, I wish I was a medical doctor. Uh, but along the way, I, I think ultimately what you, you learned is they need guidance. They need support. They need an army. Um, to, and I, I think that's a large reason why somebody like Patrice Bergeron left the game. Uh, you know, he, he had accomplished a lot body was given up on him a little bit but he also realized that he was so good at knowing what he needed to do to prepare himself and I think he got to a point where he's like okay it's time for me to give to to my family instead of them to me yeah that's so so you use Patrice Bergeron Johnny Taves is much the same yep. same same situation it's unbelievable you say that about Patrice and I think about Johnny and it's the same with Jonathan Taves 100 percent totally agree for sure and, you know, Ken, one question I wanted to ask you, too, just about developing, um, you know, I noticed the past couple of years, you know, since you've been here, you've dealt with so many injuries, right? And you've had to reshuffle so much. And I'm wondering, you know, for you and your staff and the coaching staff, how do you still evaluate when so much is changing on the fly like that and 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 kind of keep your big picture focus in line like how much is it does it shift it at all or are you able to just keep looking down that narrow path well i i have to be honest uh, it was year one then there came year two and we figured uh, we we're going to come out of this dark cloud on the injury front and I mean, <laughs> you know then we lose you know kirby right away in in what period four of the season yep then it just starts going and it's you know obviously we lost we lost Newhook. We just lost Tanner Pearson against Buffalo. So um, it's a challenge. Uh, I worry with the younger players, obviously, because, right. you know, even Slaff, like he played 37 games. He didn't play 82 game season last year. So <clears throat> you lose important development time for these guys. And, you know, it's unfortunate. We know it's part of the game. Uh, but some of our young guys have been injured for extended periods, you know, with Slaff mi missing more than half a year. Kirby's basically missing a full year after having missed a large part of a season prior in, in Chicago. Newhook's going to miss a good part of the year this year. So um, it's it's difficult because it's hard for us to, you know, when we talk about the consistency of that progression. And I, I, in, I did a media yeah. session when we signed Montembeau and I said, uh, I mentioned Barron as a player who's played really well for mm -hmm. stretch of games, but we also understand that a stretch of games does not make a, a national hockey league player. It's, it's being able to do that on a consistent level. And it kind of brings us back to the Andrew Chuck and on Le Cavalier and Richards. And so we're seeing sequences of good games for us to be able to really know and bet on somebody. We need to see it over more extended periods and that that obviously gets uh, somewhat skewed when we don't get to see them over extended periods. Yeah, I'm with your pair. We're not going to. It's not going to change the plan. Like we're not. Uh, mm -hmm. I I didn't uh, take this job to survive. I took it to try to accomplish something. So uh, I'm going to try to do it, and you know, for as long as they're going to allow me to do it. 
but it's well, I think you guys are trend, you're definitely trending the right way. Your defense is going to be very, very good for a long period of time. You got to get healthy, obviously, and you got great depth and goal. That's a huge part of the position that you're in. I remember Lou Lamorello used to collect goalies <laughs> like they were nothing, and uh, he used them as collateral over time. So I think you're going in the right direction. But Jimmy, I think we've taken enough time of uh, of Kent's uh, time. Yeah, for sure. And Ken, we appreciate you taking the time here and uh, look forward to seeing you around the rinks. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, guys. Ken, All thanks right. so much. Thanks That's a lot. Kent Hughes, Montreal Canadiens general manager, joining us here on the eye test. And, you know, Pierre, I know lately there's kind of been some unrest amongst the media and the fans there in Montreal. And, you know, when are we going to start to see uh, the rebuild come to fruition. Well, it, that's why they call it a rebuild. And, and that's why they call it a process and a plan. And I love what he said, his response here to, no, I mean, it, it is hard that the injuries do kind of can give us a false sense of where we're at or where we're not at. Um, but we're staying the course. And, and, and that's all you can ask for, Pierre, I think, in, in a general manager, is that they don't suddenly shift course and, and make erratic decisions. I, I just, I love his patience. And he said, I'm here to accomplish something, not to survive. Yeah, no, he's made enough money in his agency business. This is kind of playing with house money for him right now. Um, mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is when you grow up in a city like Montreal and you watch the Canadians have the success, success that he had them or watched them have over time, I think that makes a big difference, Jimmy. And for him, he wants to be part of the legacy that's exceptional in Montreal. Um, and I think they are well on their way to doing that. Excellent depth on defense. They have elite depth and goal. That's very apparent. Um, and I think going forward long term, they're going to have uh, very good depth at the center ice position. And they're going to have real good depth on the wings. The one thing they need to do, I think, uh, identify better role players, and I think they're on their way to doing that, and they need to add a little bit more size. Uh, we saw Buffalo try to mess them up the other day. Uh, teams are trying to play a physical brand against Montreal, so they're going to have to identify how they stop that from happening long term, but I think the Canadians are well on their way to doing some really special things. It's not going to be as fast as the fans want, Jimmy. They want it right away, yeah. but it's going to happen, It's and it's going to happen sooner than, rather than later, it really is. And, and Pierre, you know, one thing I love there too, and it, it brought me back to last week, I forget which day it was, when we were talking about when players come into the league and they're sort of typecasted, right, because of their size or because of a certain skill, uh, and, and and then they'll get compared to previous players. And we brought up, remember, Joe Thornton, and I was saying how everyone wanted him to be the next Cam Neely, but really he was just a gigantic Adam Oates. And I love that he said, don't try to be something you're not, just be continue to be better at what you are. Uh, of course, we want you to improve in certain areas, but never lose who you are and never try to be someone else. That's huge for a kid to hear at an early age, especially in a market like Montreal. Well, your identity as a player is something that's really important, and it has to be forged at an early age. Um, it can change, but you always will have the same kind of identity. Everybody knew what the Sutter identity was when they got a Sutter. Um, everybody knew what the identity of Jonathan Taves was when he played at Shattuck St. Mary's. Everybody knew what the identity of Nathan McKinnon was when he played at Shattuck. Everybody knew what Sidney Crosby's identity was. So, you know, I'm just talking about the great players. Um, right. Let's go to guys that haven't been as great, but they've been very important players. Tanner Janot, 
when he played Moose Jaw, people knew what his identity was. They just, they just did. So, I mean, you know, you can look at all these. Barkley Goudreau, a very important player. Blake Coleman, very important player on the Stanley Cup winning team. Yanni Gord. So these guys all have identities too. And the reason why they've been exceptional is they've maintained their identity and made themselves better in other assets of the game or aspects of the game, I should say. So uh, I really believe what Kent just said there was spot on. You have to identify who you are as a player, make yourself better in all these other facets, but never lose your identity. Once you do, you're probably not going to last very long in the league. Yeah, and and also, too, what he said, you know, I know one of the things a lot of people, it's been a hot topic up there, um, is – is there enough star power being developed? Is there enough stars coming into this organization right now? And I love, he, he's not concerned with that. He's concerned we need to form a culture as a whole. And, and the players in their own will find their way and figure out their role in that culture. But to find the role in a culture is more important than being a superstar because, hey, you know, I got to see a team here. And, of course, yes, they had one of the greatest quarterbacks ever in the history of the game, arguably the best in Tom Brady, but the Patriots didn't win all those Super Bowls simply because they had so many star players, right? They won it because they bought in and they had a culture and they had a team and it was all about the team. And if you're able to cultivate that at a young age, as the Canadians are doing right now, I think you're going to be just fine going forward. No, I, I think, again, a lot of their depth on defense, people don't even know. Logan Mayu. He's a really talented kid, and yeah. at some point he's going to get an opportunity. We're seeing just the beginning of Jaden Struble in Montreal right now. Caden Gooley, we're just seeing the beginning. Kovacevic, we're just seeing, even though he's played Winnipeg, we're just seeing the beginning of him as an NHL everyday player. Uh, and you can go down the line, Matthias Norlander. Um, so, again, there, there's lots of stuff. So David Reinbacker, um, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in Montreal. Um, and I do think – they're in a different neighborhood too because Buffalo's getting better, Ottawa's getting better, Detroit's getting better. Yeah, you know, Boss is not going to go away anytime soon, even though they're not nearly as prospect rich as a lot of these teams. Tampa, you know, just because Al Murray's there and uh, Breeze Bois there, uh, they're going to continue to evolve uh, as an organization. Florida Panthers are still real good. So, the neighborhood that is the Atlantic Division, it's pretty tough, Jimmy. And yeah. I think Montreal is matching up to the prospect side of it very well. They really for are. Sure. For sure. That was, I'll tell you, that was a great interview. And I, I have, I've enjoyed, you know, I remember going up there when, uh, when Jeff was hired and then, you know, watching from afar uh, the press conference when Kent was there and, you know, Pierre, you've been in this position before you've been the guy speaking at that press conference and you've been the guy covering it as well. And, and it's, it's hard to maintain your words and promises. It's just human nature that things are going to change and things, the outside world can dictate that. He's not letting it do that. And, and that's, that's, that's huge. That's something that Canadians fans need to be happy about. Yeah, no. And I think that comes starting at the ownership level. So we talked about this last week, I believe, Jimmy, when we said everybody's hot and bothered and excited about a rebuild till ownership doesn't like it anymore. Till there are not enough seats being sold or the fans really start to turn or talk media starts attacking ownership. I don't think that's happened in Montreal. And I don't think Jeff Molson will worry about that. Um, and then you think about Jeff Gordon being in the presidency of the Montreal Canadiens. I don't think he's going to be intimidated by that. Uh, I think he has a real good plan in place. And I know Kent's 
you can just tell from that interview, he's not intimidated by it at all. And so to me, if I'm a fan of the Canes right now and I hear that interview, I'm like, okay, we're going in the right direction. This is exciting, actually. It's really exciting. We're good. Well, listen, we're going in the right direction here, Pierre. Another another fun episode here, and I'm really enjoying it with you. Uh, And we got another one coming up on Wednesday and Friday, and then uh, we'll – we're going to huddle together, figure out the holiday schedule because we know uh, everybody's going to be traveling, including ourselves. So we'll figure that out forward and let everybody know. But Pierre, another great one. Thanks a lot. And thanks to Kent Hughes and the Montreal Canadiens. And thanks to our production crew. That's Pierre McGuire. I'm Jimmy Murphy. This has been another edition of the Eye Test. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the eye test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.